You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. All right. It is good to see you guys. Everybody doing well this morning? Isn't this awesome to be in one service all together? How many of you guys saw somebody you've never seen at church before? Let me see your hands. Like everybody. Cool. That's, that's awesome. Man, I, it's good to see you guys. It's good to be here together. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. This is the first time we've actually uh, been able to do this in, in a few years. And so it's just really, really cool um, just to um, be in this place. It's a great facility, um, but it's just great to, to, to worship together. So why are we here? And why do we decide to, you know, invest in, in this for, for this particular day? And, and uh, so many people just made this possible today. We've got a great staff. So many of you guys volunteered. We're serving and working so much over the last couple of days. And so as a result, we're here and we're grateful for an awesome staff to make this happen. The band has, has, has really pulled off an incredible thing. The media team uh, to, to pull this off. And so, um, and we're just blessed. And so why do this? Why go to this effort? Well, a few reasons. I think it's really, really important for us as we think about um, moving forward in, in, in our, our vision at Foothills Church to really begin to experience a little bit of what it would be like to be in a facility this large. To be able to worship together with, with a thousand people. I mean, for the first time, many of you are probably like, this is the first time or this is the biggest crowd I've ever been in, you know, and worship the Lord. And so we want to experience that together. We want to we envision what it would look like, what it would feel like. And, and um, I've, I've already heard several people, hey, can we come back here next week? And I'm like, I would love to, but how about we build our own and make it even better? And so uh, that's the idea that we want, to, we, we want to move forward in. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm asking you guys to invest. I want you to invest in the vision of Foothills Church and what God is doing because we really believe in it. We really believe that what we are experiencing in our church is, is very unique. Like this, this movement of God here is, is not felt in, in every other church around the world. It's a very unique time to be in a, a really young church and, and a really dynamic, growing church. And here we are. We get to do this thing together. And, and I just think it's a privilege. I think it's an honor. So like in 50 years, the history of what's happening now is going gonna, is, is gonna to continue on. And so I want us to, to really hone our thoughts and our energy today on, on what, what God is asking each of us to do. Because I really believe that some of us in here are, are really truly all in. You've, you've gone all in and, and man, you are plugging away and God is blessing. And then there's another group of people in the room that, 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 that still aren't there yet. And I want to encourage you to do so. I, I think this is going to be the best year Foothills Church has ever seen. I think this is going to be the best year for you personally and your spiritual growth if you'll allow God to move in your life and, and, and trust him and follow him. And so we want, to, we want to look at what it looks like for our church as we move forward. I want us to look in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. You know, when Jesus said to follow me and I will make you fishers of men, he was saying at that, that moment, when, when I save you, when you follow me, I'm, I'm going to be giving you, as a result, a purpose. I'm giving you a, a mission. We're not saved just to sit and soak. 
We're saved for a reason. We're saved for a purpose. And some of you are experiencing that purpose and some of you still aren't. And so part of our goal as a church is to help move you in that direction, to help you understand what that looks like and feels like and and be able to enjoy what God wants to do in your life. Now, in Acts chapter 1, beginning of verse 6, we see the last words of Jesus as it's recorded in Acts. And so, you know, before he ascends into heaven, Jesus has already died on the cross. He's, he's resurrected, and now he's visited with um, uh, the disciples multiple times. And this is his last visit with them. And so the very last words that Jesus gives, it's almost like, guys, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm, I'm, I'm headed out, and uh, before I go, here's the last thing that I want to remind you about. Here's the last thing that I want you to get And so here's what he says, beginning in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth." And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So, so here's Jesus talking to the disciples and, and the disciples are, are now, there. they have in store, or they have in mind that Jesus, this Messiah, is now after the death, burial, resurrection, they have in mind that he is going to be a military leader that kicks the Romans out of Jerusalem. Because remember, the Romans, a little history lesson, the Romans had conquered Jerusalem. They were running everything. And so all the Israelites were oppressed and they were under the oppression of the Romans. And so here, here these disciples are like, all right, Jesus, now we're ready to go. You ready to go beat them up? Let's, let's, let's start a war. Let's kick them out of here. And Jesus doesn't diminish the question as if it's not important, but Jesus redirects their attention. And he redirects their attention onto their very mission. Here's what I want you to see if you're taking notes. First off, their attention was fixed on their problem. Their problem is that, all right, Romans here, Romans need to get out. So Jesus, how can you do that now? So it was their agenda. It was like, here's our problem, Jesus. Let's fix it right now. Man, how often do we as believers really kind of go through that? It's like, God, I've got this problem. Fix it now. God, I'm going through this issue. Come on, get rid of it. Move me on. Just make everything work out. And we kind of focus on our problem and our agenda But what Jesus does is, secondly, Jesus told them to fix their attention on his mission. And isn't it amazing? I don't know if you've experienced this, but I have in my personal life that any time I get focused on my problems and my agenda, those agendas and problems get bigger and bigger and bigger. But every time I allow the Spirit of God to redirect my attention to his mission, my problems diminish. None of my circumstances don't change. It's not, that, that like I'm, it's not like I'm problem free, but what the Spirit of God does within me as I focus on his mission is that he allows my mind to think about him differently. Instead of worrying about him and being anxious about him, I'm, I, I allow the Spirit of God to begin to work in me and grow me and mature me. And, 
And that's where we want to live. And, and so I think that every time we go through situations, the, the joy for us is not to, not to like stress over the problem. The joy for us is to focus on the mission and allow God's spirit to grow us and allow God's agenda to grow in our heart and in our mind. Jesus just turns their attention. He focuses on, on his mission, which is to be a witness. It's to be a witness. Jesus also says, not only, you know, here's the, here's the mission, he actually tells them where that mission needs to go. So he, he, he tells them where to focus their attention. He says, first of all, in Jerusalem, that's their hometown, that's where they live, that's where they grew up, that's where they were staying. And so it's like in your city, he says, I want you to be a witness. Then he says in Samaria and Judea, so that's like the, out, the surrounding areas, the region. For us, it'd be East Tennessee, the South, that kind of deal. And so he kind of he starts where they live, and then he, and he moves out into the larger regional area. And then he says, oh yeah, guys, so then I want you to go to the end of the earth. So the mission is big. The mission is not just, hey, your neighborhood, it starts there. Hey, your home, it starts there. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end in Blount County for us. We are, we are not only focused on local, but we're also focused globally. Like what is God doing through Foothills Church here and around the world? He's doing some big things. He's doing some incredible things. And Jesus says, I'm gonna give you power to be a witness. Now what is a witness? A witness is somebody that simply shares their personal experience so this is what God is doing in my life. This is how Jesus has changed me. This is what God is doing in my family and in my work and in my life. And so we are sharing as a witness our personal experience with our church. We're sharing this is what God is doing in our church. This is what God is doing in my small group. This is what God is doing as I serve in ministry. And so it's on our lips. It's on our, 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 our focus and our heart. And we're sharing and we're talking. We're a witness. Jesus hasn't called you to be a salesman. You don't have to be a salesman for Jesus. You don't have to convince people to accept Christ. You don't have to argue people into heaven. That's not what he's called you to do. He doesn't need you to, to argue with people to get them into heaven or to try to sell them, you know, the gospel. That's not our role. Our role is very simple, to be a witness, to be a witness. So if we're gonna be a witness as, as Acts one here tells us to be. As a church, you know, we, we rally around one common vision. And it, it gives us laser focus on what God wants us to do as a church. We, we have so many opportunities. Our, our, our church, you know, churches around are all different. And so our church is different from other churches. And I want to talk about that this morning. But, but at the end of the day, what drives those decisions? What are the things that call us back to the center of where we, be, we believe God wants us to be? It's this one statement. You hear it every week if you get here for the five. And it is this. We exist to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. If it doesn't if it doesn't flow through that, if it, if it doesn't accomplish that goal, that mission, then, then we don't want to do it. So how do we do that? How do we accomplish that? How, how, do, we, how do we even attempt to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments? Well, we use three statements that help focus and, and give some, some clarity to. Uh, these three statements allow our, our mission, our ministries to be guided and shaped and so I want to go through those this morning, all in through the lens of being a witness in our 
city. And the first phrase is, is, is that we share the love of God. So we want to share the love of God. We want to connect to God's people. We want to equip for God's mission. Those are the three statements. I want to go through them today. Because sharing the love of God is a big deal for us. That's, that's really our evangelistic, externally focused mentality. And, and those are our efforts that all point to our, our city. At some churches, they might visit your house and knock on your door and give you a 15 or 20 minute canned presentation of the gospel and then want you to accept Jesus right then and there. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but, but our culture, I used to do that. Our culture just doesn't really embrace that anymore. Think about what you do. You go to work. You go home, you fix dinner, you get the kids settled, you plop down on the couch for some TV before you go to bed. If somebody shows up at your house knocking on the door, it's an invasion of your castle, isn't it? And it's, it's a nuisance. You just think every time you see the, the little boys on their bikes with white shirts and black ties, they're riding down the neighborhood. Yeah, I know what, I know what our neighborhood does. I start getting text messages. Here they come. Lock the doors. Shut the blinds. That's not me, though. Ask my wife. I invite them in. I spend about three hours with them, confuse the heck out of them. I figure if I can waste three hours, that's three hours. You're not messing with somebody else. So that's kind of my mentality. But, but we don't believe that that really, that, that really is, the, is the best way to do evangelism. We believe the best way to do that is, is through relationships. Relationships are crucial. They're key to how we minister and do evangelism in our city. So we want to build relationships with people, invite them to church, invite them to small group, eventually share our story with them. We want to talk about our church. We want to talk about what God is doing. And so through that relationship, we believe that is the intentionality that Jesus had in his life. And that's the, that's the same exact model we want to embrace as a church evangelistically. At FC, our, our approach is relational. Other churches like to use guilt. How come you're not witnessing? You must not love Jesus. <laughs> you know, for us, we want, we want to uh, encourage you to be normal, okay? We want you to be normal in your life, follow and trust God, and throughout conversations with people at work, conversations with your family, you're, you're naturally including God in the conversation, you're naturally using the name of Jesus in your conversation, pointing people, throwing little doses of Jesus as, as you communicate with them and as you invite them over to your house to barbecue and to watch the game and, and just to hang out. It's like, it's like who I am. I just, I just talk about Jesus and, and I talk about my church and I really believe that is crucial. Now, eventually we want to get to the place that we share the gospel with them. But it's all stemming from a relationship. At some churches, they give a, a come forward response every Sunday. And so um, I've been asked that. You guys don't do that at, at Foothills Church. You know, we don't, I don't stand at the front and, 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 and ask people to come forward and shake my hand and to receive Jesus. We don't, we don't do that. We use what we call a prayer and care room. Um, I feel like sometimes in, in that situation, the, 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 the pressure of make a decision now. We're going to sing one more verse. Just one more verse, you gotta do it now, or you may not get it, you know? It's almost like a salesman. It's like we don't, we, well, surveys show that people that make decisions under pressure don't last. People that think through it, people that are, are um, um, praying through it, have been counseled through it, are, are thinking about it, they're, they're likely the ones that are gonna stick. And so we, we want to use a prayer and care room. That's not, that's not a, a pressure thing. It's open every week 
If, if, if after the message there's a decision, I want to share the gospel and encourage everybody to make a decision every week. And the prayer and care room is where we want you to go and do that. It's a very relaxed, cool environment with, with counselors who are trained and just want to hang and, and answer questions and pray with you and spend some time. We actually have one set up here uh, for the end of this service, for those that, that may want to make a decision, for those that want, want, to, want to pray with somebody today. We believe that is, is, is a huge way and, and, and the best way to do that. In many churches, uh, the worship service um, is low-tech. Um, and so, so they believe that the only way or the, you know, the only thing you have to do to reach the next generation or the community, unchurched people, is just to preach the word. Now, you guys know me well enough if you've been in our church that I absolutely um, love, adore God's word. I preach everything in it. I'm not afraid to preach anything in here. And everything that we do is driven by God's word. It's the infallible word of God. But if all I do is bore people with a, a long sermon and, and go through this, and we aren't engaging our community and engaging teenagers and engaging unchurched people in our worship services, then we're missing something. Because I believe, and our church believes, that the worship services, the worship experience on Sunday is for our community. And so that means I'm preaching to the guy who has been a Christian for 50 years, and I've got to challenge him with God's word. And I'm preaching to the atheist who haphazardly just walked in with a friend today who doesn't believe in God, and this is his first time in church. And so I've got to balance how I can speak to him and how I can speak to the, the unchurched person. And in some churches, they like to use a lot of big words and a lot of Greek words in their, in their sermons, and, and that's all well and good. But, but for us, it's not just about education. Um, it's not just about knowledge. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up. Um, the Bible says in, in James that, that if we know what we're supposed to do and we don't do it, it's a sin. And so if I'm pumping you full of a bunch of knowledge and, and we're not applying it to our life and actually doing what God has called us to do, then we're sinning. And so we want to balance the, the knowledge, the, the knowing and the doing. We want to do both. And so I go back to technology, and, and, and so for us on a Sunday morning experience, I want to be able to engage the 16, 17, 18-year-old teenager. If I can engage him, then the 40-year-old guy that's in here, you're, you're locked, you know, you're, you're golden, you know. And, and so for us as a church, as we move forward, if all we focus on is just preaching the word, then in, in most churches, honestly, that, that just do that, unfortunately, their congregations are filled with older people. And, and there's, there's not a lot of younger people. And so for us, we want this experience to engage younger people. So we're going to embrace technology. We're going to leverage technology. And so that's why our media ministry and all the videos that you've seen are created by our staff. And, and, and they're, just, they're just a great way to connect with young people, with young families. But let's be honest, you know, all of us older folks in the room, we connect as well. And so we want to leverage technology. We think that's important as a church to engage our community. We, we don't just want to, you know, sit and soak. We don't just want to, you know, a, a certain age range. We want the, those who are far from God today. We, we want to connect with teenagers, young people, young families. The music at, at Foothills Church is, is pretty energetic. It's pretty powerful. And um, I got an email. I get these occasionally. It's like, hey, can you guys you know, do different music? <laughs> no, we're not. This is who we are. Um, and again, it goes back to, we believe this is what's engaging unchurched, young people. And that's, that's really what, see, as an older believer, like I love what we do, obviously, okay? But as I get older, 
music is going to change. Because at the end of the day, music is all about preference. Some of you guys love country music. Can't stand it. Some of you don't like jazz. I like jazz. You know, some of you don't like Taylor Swift. I, no, wait, I didn't say that. I don't like, did I just admit that in front of the whole church? No. So music is just all about preference. And so as an older, maturing believer, one of these days music is going to take a radical shift in the church again. I don't know what it's going to be. Probably techno and I don't know, whatever. But at some point in my life, I'm going to have to say, all right, am I mature enough to say, you know what? It's not my preference, but if it connects with the next generation, I got to go with it. As long as it honors Jesus and it points people to Jesus and, and it helps us to worship him, then I, then I got to be willing to go for it so that I can continue to reach the next generation. And so, so our music, powerful, energetic. Um, I'm excited about our preaching ministry this year. Um, this uh, next Sunday, Greg mentioned uh, the Think series. That, so we're going to pour over how to take our thoughts captive and, and uh, how, to, how to really begin to think about our habits differently and get rid of bad habits and, and how to start the new habits in our life that we all want to do. We're going to go from that into a family series titled Happily Ever After. So we're going to talk about marriage and, and parenting and, and dive into that. Excited about that. Then we're going to do a series called The Word. Uh, this spring, and the word uh, is going to focus on God's word. It's like, how did who, who chose what books of the Bible are, are in the Bible, and, and how do we know it's accurate? How do we know we can trust it? And so we're going to be asking some questions like that, and all of you guys probably watch the History Channel like I do. I don't know. Are you nerds like me? I don't know. But uh, all these shows that are on there about all these other books of the Bible and all these secrets of the Bible and how it, it's just a bunch of craziness. And so we want to uncover some of that in that series. And, and then we're going to go back to the Gospel of John and, uh, later in the spring and, and all the way through the summer and, and really focus on that. So excited about that as, as we move forward. Um, our mission, as we think about you know, sharing the love of God, it's all about our mission. And, and so we, we've, you've heard over the last few weeks you know, how we're connected locally and, and what we're doing globally. And so I'm excited about our trips to Haiti, uh, to the DR. I get a chance to go to Africa next month and, and really hopefully uh, find some partnerships over there uh, to connect with as well. But at FC, we believe missions is something you do. It's not a trip you take. So missions is something that you do. So at work, you're on mission. When you leave today and go eat lunch, you're on mission. You know, as, as you are interacting on you know, the ball fields and the gymnasiums, taking your kids to practice and whatnot, you are on mission with God. It's not a trip you take, it's something that you do. And so we wanna help you get to that point. Another area of sharing God's love that we're doing this year is, is uh, in our website. Church has drastically changed since we created that website five years ago. And so we're gonna update it, change it completely. The invest page, uh, we're gonna add a ton of stuff there once the architectural drawings are done and some of the videos are, done, are drawn so that we can actually kind of get a picture and kind of see what it's gonna look like inside. I think that'll be exciting. Um, the annual report is gonna be out at the end of January. So all the numbers that I shared last week, giving numbers, growth, all that good stuff, that's all gonna be online um, as well. So sharing the love of of God that, that keeps us guided. Secondly, we connect to the people of God. Hebrews chapter three, verse 12 says, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, I love this, because the, the remedy for being hardened by sin's deceitfulness is relationship. 
meet together regularly. He says daily. In other words, consistently be in relationship with other believers. Connect with them. Why? Because when we are not, when we isolate ourselves, we allow sin to creep into our life. And as it does, it begins to harden our heart. That's why when I can talk about mission, when I can talk about the church, when I talk about the cross, some of you just have simply a hard heart. You're not motivated by it. You're not you're really budged by it. You're just kind of here and you're just kind of numb to it. And my, my thought on that is Hebrews 3 has taken effect. As a result of no relationships in the church, you have allowed sin to creep in and harden your heart to the things of God. What's the remedy? Connect to God's People consistently be challenged by God's people, to be encouraged by them, to learn from them, and also to give to them, to share with them, to do ministry for them. In other words, begin to serve in that capacity. Um, in a lot of churches, um, they use Sunday school as a connecting point. And so um, Sunday school is an education-based um, um, idea. And so for us, um, you know, we, we understand that you know, knowledge is important, as I've said, but, but we don't want to just know things. We want to actually practice them. I, I don't think that you can say you've learned something until you are actually doing it. And so when you think about, you know, what, how, how some people use that in other churches, for us, how we connect is in small groups. We use small groups uh, to connect to the people of God. For us, that means we're in relationships, and so we're learning new truth. Whereas a Sunday school-based model might be somebody stands up and lectures and teachers for however long. A small group environment at FC is where we, we open up God's word, someone reads it, we talk about the sermon, we talk about questions, we engage each other. That allows everybody to, to add to the conversation and it allows us to apply God's word and not just learn and, and hear things about it, which I think is vital for us. Connecting to the people of God. Some places are all about academics, um, the academic side of being a disciple. But here we want to learn and do. Um, some, you know, when you look at the Sunday school model, that would mean you've got to continually build new classrooms. And so instead of spending millions of dollars at FC to, to, to build classrooms, we think homes are the best way to do that. We think using homes allows people to use their gifts of hospitality. We, we also believe that if you put a guy in a suit and put him in a Sunday school class and somebody, you know, preaches to him for an hour, he won't say a word. But you put that same guy in a home on a Wednesday night on the couch with a cup of coffee and he'll talk your head off. Why? Because the environment is, is just completely different. It's a relational environment. And as our leaders are trained, they're, they're, they're pressing into you, challenging you, and encouraging you to grow daily. And some churches, small groups are based on age. But at FC, we create groups uh, based on geography and likeness. So if you um, live in East Maryville, then there are East Maryville groups. If you live in Louisville, man, there are some Louisville groups. And so early on when we started the church, we, we didn't have enough people to be geographic. And so a lot of you guys were traveling. But now as the church has grown, we're, we're definitely more geographically organized. And so as we continue to grow, those are the, 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 the areas that we want to see. And so I, I think there's a lot of value in having a couple who's been married for 20 years with a couple who just got married. I think there's tons of value in there. If I just surround the young couple with other young couples, then, then they're gonna miss out on what some of the older uh, uh, veterans have experienced and gone through. And so we're not gonna, we're not gonna do small groups by, by age. Um, we wanna do them by geography 
and, and, and similarities. In some churches, they have hundreds of Bible studies that you can go to. And so pick a night of the week. There's women's groups. There's guys' groups. If you've noticed, we don't do that at Foothills. We, we don't do that. And, and, and here's why. Uh, that's, again, an educational model. For us, we're a relational model. And so we want, we want that relationship to, to first be created in small groups. And this is why we invest in Right Now Medium, that, the, the online web-based curriculum where through on, uh, Right Now, if you want to continue to go in like deeper Bible studies in your small group, you can get a group of guys and say, hey guys, let's go through this study together. We'll meet and do this once a month or once a week or whatever. And, and we can all watch it you know, on our tablets or on our computers at home or whatever, and then we can talk about it when we get together. And so that's that, that, that deeper connection. Ladies can do the same. And so we want that to kind of happen organically, and we don't want to have to, you know, plan and organize that, and, you know, at the church campus. We want that to happen, you know, for those who want that, and, and, and we encourage you guys to do that. So we're connecting to the people of God for the purpose of discipleship. And, and then thirdly, the third statement is to equip for the mission of God. Hebrews 13, verse 20 says this, Now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do as will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's what that means. That means the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, will equip you for ministry. How is he going to do that? Well, in large part, he will do that through the church. And so it's important when we think about um, you know, growing and, and being equipped by the Spirit of God, it's important to connect to the church and allow the church to equip you. Most churches are program-driven. So we got a program here to come and do. we got a program here, and they're there three or four nights a week. And, and so program this, program that. Um, for us, we're process-driven. The process for us is spiritual maturity. And so how do, how do we allow the process of spiritual maturity to grow us? Well, we call it the journey, and the journey is our discipleship strategy. It's our equipping strategy. It starts with base camp, and a lot of you guys have been there. Next Sunday, base camp starts. Uh, love for you guys to join us for that. It starts there. It goes to camp two where we talk about your design. Camp three, the classes I talked about last uh, week. Um, and, and then it moves into life summits. A lot, of, a lot of churches ignore life stages. You know, when somebody has a baby, when somebody gets married, all these different things. Uh, for us, our life summits are, are really focused around those big life stages in your life. For instance, you know, married, have a baby. Um, we're going to teach the life summit class called the birth of a baby. We're going to teach you what it means to raise a child in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Then we're going to celebrate as a church with uh, a baby dedication. And so every stage of life, a life summit exists. Uh, process driven, allowing us to, you know, allow someone who is an unbeliever to then accept Christ and become a spiritual infant. From there, growing from a spiritual infant into a spiritual child, and then into a spiritual young adult, and then finally into a spiritual parent. In each one of these phases, there are descriptions, and it helps us to understand what that process looks like and allows us to grow. In many churches, they don't include their family ministry in their process. It's just a program. It's almost like childcare. It's like what we do on Wednesdays or what goes on while we do the real thing in here. But for us, family ministry is vital. It's crucial. We really believe that from 
you know, the start of your child's life, that we are developing them and, and partnering with you to, to help uh, establish a firm foundation of the gospel in their life and equipping them even at a young age. And so our family ministries are going to have a, a vital role in our ministries. And so we do things a little bit different in our family ministry. A lot of churches will focus on, again, educating our kids um, and so they're going to stand up and they're going to teach, you know, for however long. And um, how many of you guys are lecture-oriented learners? Like you learn best by just listening to a lecture. <laughs> There's like two people, okay? How many of you, uh, which makes me feel really good right now. Anyway, um, <clears throat> how many of you would say you learn best by hands-on uh, doing it, actually experiencing it? All right, that, that's the majority. Now, educators have learned this. Uh, that's why school for our kids is a lot different today than it was, you know, back in the day. Uh, churches haven't caught on to this. And so for us, uh, family ministry on a Sunday morning is, is going to engage, uh, in a, we have some amazing storytellers, by the way. And so they're going to engage kids in a, in a story. We're going to use video. We're going to use media. Uh, we just believe through that, uh, some interactive music, that's how they're going to learn best. And then they're going to go and they're going to be in a small group with an adult. And it's not a stand up and lecture, there's an activity and there's an experience for them to to draw out God's word and and to apply it to where they're at as a young uh, uh, child. And so we just believe that's how kids are going to learn best. And at the same time, we're equipping you because we're giving you a parent cue every week. And so here's what we talked about. Here are some questions to go through. There's a parent cue app if you've never downloaded that. Mom and dad, get the app so that you know exactly what we're teaching on Sunday morning and then allowing you to to have some questions and even watch some of the videos and see the songs. And if you're not following the family ministry on social media, do that. They they send out stuff all the time. I'll be driving down the car and I'll I'll see the tweet and my kids will be in the back seat. And then I'll be like, so guys, uh, you know, and this is wise question, you know, that has to do with whatever and they're like, our dad is so smart, you know, not really. But, you know, it just helps equip me to, to engage my kids on a week-to-week basis, and, and that's huge. So things like Summer Quest and Summer Camp for Kids are, are coming up this summer, and use those things to allow your kids to be equipped. And so Docs is our middle school and high school ministry, which is, which is doing amazing things on Wednesday night. It's, it's how they are making disciples, and so they're focusing, you know, Wednesdays, but not only there, but, but small groups and they're excited about starting something called discipleship groups this year for some of the older teenagers to really kind of dive in even on a deeper level. Um, what they do to help mom and dad stay in the know and equipped is they do roundtable videos that they put on the website. So Pastor Greg and Pastor Landon, they talk about the sermon series that they're in and, and questions that you can ask. And so they put a lot of articles online as well. So these are all ways for mom and dad with your teenager who you cannot connect with and you think they're aliens for you to see what they're doing on Wednesday night, having a good time with, and give you a common conversation to have together. So it's incredible. It's how we're equipping you as mom and dad. Doxa is incredible. As some churches, the pastors do all the work. Um, but part of our equipping philosophy at Foothills Church is grounded in the biblical idea that as pastors, the Bible teaches us in Ephesians 4 that our responsibility is to equip the saints for the ministry of the church. And so our role as pastors is to help equip you, to show you what it looks like and, and, and how to do this. And so that's, that's our role. And so as, as a staff, as, as, a, as a church, as elders, like we're not trying to do everything. That's why this can even happen today. We have hundreds of people 
that served and made today happen. And so we believe that every single person who has accepted Christ into their life is a minister. They, they are to serve and they, they have a ministry and a calling to serve. And so part of that equipping is to discover what that looks like and, and what that feels. And a lot of churches, you know, the, the call to serve is, is more of a guilt-led, you know, concept. Hey, we need people to watch the snotty-nosed brats and, and you need to do it. If you love Jesus, you would do it. You know, it's like that's, that's not the approach we want to take. The approach we want, to, we want you to understand is that God has designed you for ministry. When he saved you, he gave you spiritual gifts. He's led you through some experiences in life, and he's going to use those for his glory. He's given you a personality, and it's different from, from each of us, and that personality is going to connect with your spiritual gifts to be able to be used for God's ministry. And, and so on and on, how God has designed you is specific. And so, yeah, there are some things that, that any, you know, anyone can just jump into as a quick way to start serving at FC. But then there's that next level of, okay, where is God specifically calling me? And, and what are the, the unique things that God has wired me for that, that I believe God is, is really doing in my life? We want to help you do that through Camp 2 and understand what that role is going to be. There's a lot of cool things happening this year as well. Real quickly, um, we, uh, we've been in the process of, of uh, working with two new elders. And so um, you guys know Bob Campbell was an elder. He moved to New York. He got a job there. And so currently Randall uh, Pickens is, our, is an elder. And, and so um, two new guys that are going to begin um, this year are Jake Parrish and Steve Llewellyn. And so they've both um, uh, have agreed to partner with us, and so we'll begin that process with them this year and excited about their new role in our church. That would give us a total of three lay guys, and then uh, we're also going to uh, add Brant Wagner, uh, pastor of small groups and missions here, to be on the team as well. So um, that'll be a total of uh, seven guys uh, leading and three of them being lay leaders. So we're excited about that. Excited about our counseling ministry. So this is another avenue of equipping um, our counseling ministry is, is, is getting ready to, to, to launch in a new way. Uh, we have a, a, an office in downtown Maryville that's been um, uh, given to us so that, w- that we can just use for free. And so what this is going to allow us to do is actually do counseling in that office. Uh, we don't really have a good location at, on our church campus. And so um, this is going to provide some anonymity. It's going to uh, provide just a local place where people can go and get counseling. And so if you've been trained as a peer counselor, more training is coming. If you want to learn how to train or want want to learn how to counsel people, that training is coming as well. And so we're going to begin to use that uh, in the coming days. I'm excited about that. And and then finally, I'll close with this. So our Judea and Samaria. Um, So we've got, you know, we've got Maribel. This is is our Jerusalem. So what about our Judea and Samaria? Well, I believe over the next two to three years, the, 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 the next goal after we accomplish you know, the, the auditorium and, and begin to uh, get our feet grounded in that is going to be to start a second campus. Foothills Church is a church plant. It was created out of a heart um, to disciple people. And the best way to see that happen is by creating churches. In my opinion, there can never be enough gospel-centered churches that are reaching people for Christ. And so as we look at our future as a church, we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to establish 
Foothills Church, and we're also going to be thinking over the next year to two years, where is God asking us to plant a church? Where is God asking us to put a second campus, whether that be in Knoxville or some other direction? We feel like that is what God will do in the future. So that means some of you are here today and you're getting equipped, and you may not know this or realize this, but in about two to three years, God may put you on that launch team to go and to start that brand new campus. Um, some exciting things. We, we just believe God is doing something special here. Um, and so as we look at Acts 8, you know, it all happens and will happen as you and I embrace this call to be a witness. As you and I are faithful to the call to be a witness of the things that God has done in our life. This vision of making disciples by sharing the love of God, connecting to the people of God, equipping for the mission of God only happens as you and I embrace his call to be fishers of men. The definition of a witness is someone who is sharing what God has done in their life. Do you have to be a Bible scholar to do that? Nope. Do you have to be a Christian for 20 years? Nope. Do you have to live a perfect life? Not at all. You just have to be willing to say, this is what has happened in my life. This is what God has done for me. And uniquely, God uses that to transform lives. You know, if I had the cure, if, if, if I knew what the cure to cancer was, I'd be screaming it from the rooftops. If I had the cure for Alzheimer's, if I had the cure for cancer, I would be yelling it and, and, and preaching it every day. See, the reality is we have news that's even more incredible than that. For us, when we, when we hear the gospel, it's not just life-changing, it's life-saving. The Bible says your witness is the power of God that he uses to get people into heaven. It has eternal consequences. And so when we share or when you don't share, eternity is in the balance. If we are faithful and not faithful, eternity is resting on the shoulders of Foothills Church and in our area of the world and the influence that God has given to us. The Bible says people are gonna live forever somewhere. Our bodies are gonna die, our bodies are gonna decay. But God has created us with a spirit. We're gonna live forever somewhere. If you're, if you're here today and you say that you're a believer, you've said, yeah, I've trusted in Jesus for salvation and received him into my life. And as a result, I, I've, I've, I've given everything. I've gone all in with him. Then, then you're on your way to heaven. For those that don't choose Jesus, you choose a place called hell. Some of us, we say, you know what? We, we are, we're, we want Jesus. We want to follow him. We want to go God's way. For those that reject Jesus say, you know what? We wanna go our own way. We wanna do our own thing. We wanna go our own way. And as a result of that, we don't live in heaven forever. We live in a place called hell. There's no way around that. You may say, I don't believe in hell. I don't get that, I don't understand that. Well, then in that case, you know, it's kinda of like me saying, I don't believe in Disneyland. I can say all day I don't believe in it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. 
So for us today, I, I believe that there are some people in the room, it's a new year and you have been questioning and thinking about a decision to follow Christ for some time. And for whatever reasons, this, this question and these feelings and these emotions have never led you to make a decision. You've never, you've never taken that step. And, and I believe that there are some people in the room today who would say, you know what, there, that's me and, and I'm ready to make that step. Maybe you've never like, you've, you've never like truly accepted him. And so you're, you're just kind of following and, and just kind of going through the motions, but you know something is not right. And, and that a decision needs to be made for you, like that step, that commitment. For some of you, you've never followed through with baptism, and so you've been, you've been the guy that's been like, oh, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. I don't know, I don't know. What better time in the brand new year, a fresh start, a fr- a, a, just a brand new beginning to say, you know what, I'm just gonna go for that. When Jesus gives us the great commission, he says to go and make disciples, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's, it's really the first step of obedience when we trust Jesus. And so some of you may need to make that decision today. Some of you maybe aren't, aren't all in. And, and so you're just kind of this, the, the guy who would say, I'm, I'm just kind of numb to the things of God and I'm just kind of here, but, but God is moving and God is working and God has been working on me for some time. And, and I've just been resisting and I've been al- allowing my, my heart to be hard towards the things of God and, and I'm ready for a change. I'm, I'm ready for a switch and, and maybe today you'll come forward and, and you'll say, you know what, this is my day, my time to be and to do what God is calling me to do. Here's what I wanna do today. I, I, I wanna lead those of you who would say, I, I need to follow Jesus in a prayer. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and allow you to f- use that as a guide. And once we, once we allow you that opportunity to do that, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And as we stand to sing, I want to encourage you, if you made that decision, to come forward. If you're a counselor in the room, I want you to come forward at that time as well. For those of you who would say, it's, it's baptism for me. For those of you that would say it's, it's going all in for me, I want, when we all stand up, I want you to come forward and just make that commitment and say, you know what, I've been making this decision like in my mind, like saying, yeah, I'm gonna do better, I, I need to do this, but inevitably what happens? You forget about it, nobody's there to hold you accountable. That's why we do like, hey, go to the prayer and care room and make a decision because then you've got some encouragement, you've got some accountability. For some of you, some of you, God has been calling you into ministry. And for whatever reasons in your life, you've been rejecting that call. And you're, I mean, you are just laser focused on whatever it is that you're doing and trying to stay distracted from that call. Maybe today when we stand as a church, you'll come forward and say, you know what? God is calling me into ministry. I don't care if you're in the balcony at the very top, you can come down these steps, come down, we'll wait for you. Our counselors are gonna come forward in just a second and then there's a room off to the, your left that we've dubbed the prayer and care room that they'll talk with you and share with you and encourage you and, and um, allow you to spend some time just kind of diving into what that looks like for you. So here we go. I wanna ask you to bow your heads. <clears throat> nobody moving around. Please nobody leave. This is the most important time. I don't care if you're a volunteer that's gotta get somewhere. Just stay chill. 
How many of you in this room right here would say, you know, I need, when you talk about accepting Jesus, I need to do that. How many of you would slip up your hands and say, that's me. Just slip it up and put it back down. Anybody at all? Say, I know that's me. I see you in the back. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? Saw a couple. Say, when you talk about that, Trent, that's exactly what I need. I need Jesus. Here's what I want to do. I want you to, to, to hear this prayer, but I want you to make it your own. And this will be your first conversation with God. If you pray this, when we stand, I want to encourage you to come forward and allow somebody to celebrate what God is doing in your life today. Just simply say this. Say this to Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin and and come into my life and save me right now. Thank you for saving me. Let me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.